Hi, and welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Ritma. This is a marketing podcast like you haven't heard before. It's about real connections and honest conversations. Why am I here? To remind you that you can fly. If you're brave enough to listen to that calling inside you, I'm here to serve you and show you that marketing can and should be honest, that the truth sells and authenticity wins. So how can businesses and brands build a real and authentic audience? The Authentic Audience Podcast gives you insight into growing your business and marketing strategies to gain real followers and loyal customers. Each week, I create a space of radical honesty for thought leaders and entrepreneurs who have built successful businesses to share their insights on business, marketing, relationships, life, and spirituality. Each episode is sure to remind you the power of storytelling and truth selling. Get ready to get real, get raw, get honest, and keep growing. Hello, and welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm Krista Ritma, and this is a solo episode. I was just thinking about the last time I sat down to record a solo episode. It's been about six months, and a lot (laughs) has happened. So I'm feeling that this might be and should be a two-part episode because I have so much going on, and amongst all of that... uh, I had a miscarriage, and that is something that I've been wanting to share about, I've been wanting to talk about, and I think that it deserves a whole episode. So I believe I want to make part one um, in honor of this story, my pregnancy journey, and part two, everything that's happening now, because there's a lot happening now. So I really hope you stay for both. Um <clears throat> I've felt a lot of resistance to sit down and share this story about my miscarriage, but I know I need to. I was so unprepared, and I wish that I had known so much more. I also just want you to feel less alone for anybody that has experienced this. Um, As common as it is, it doesn't make it any easier. It was probably the most traumatic experience of my life. And I just want you to know you're not alone. And I wish more people talked about it. So I'm going to talk about it. But before I dive in, I just want to let you know that I am in a really good place. And I have purposely chosen to record this six weeks later post-miscarriage because I needed some time. And I want it to come from a very sacred place, from a very intentional place, and I'm in that place. So, so much healing has happened. I'm so grateful. I'm in such awe of my body, of the feminine, of doctors, just just so much beauty um, that's come from this. And I wanted to share that because part one um, is a lot of the darkness and yet so much light. Um, and just to preface, this story has a happy ending and I hope that for anybody that's experienced a miscarriage or know somebody that has, I really hope you listen because I was so unprepared. The M word, you know, hearing the word miscarriage during those first couple weeks of my pregnancy, I basically like shunned anybody from my life who brought it up and I just didn't want to hear about it. And now I realize how yeah, just unprepared I was. So 
that is my intention for sharing and just to do what I do best, which is sit down and speak (laughs) my truth. So that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to share starting from uh, January when we found out we were pregnant up until the miscarriage and then part two, um, which I'm going to just record straight away. So I'm going to sit down and record this all in one sitting will be all about all of the massive changes that I have made in the last six weeks and just the incredible amount of growth and beauty and joy um, that I'm experiencing right now from everything from money mindset stuff, major, major shifts. Um, I've unblocked a ton of things in my business. My husband is starting another business, which you heard about on his podcast episode, microdosing, THC and psilocybin, um, so much more. So stay tuned. (sighs) Okay. It's been a journey to motherhood for me. And my story starts when I was 16 years old. And I've been telling myself a story for uh, 13, 14, 15. How old am I? 16 years? However, 32. Yeah, 16 years. When I was 16, my appendix burst, and when I was in the hospital, they told me that I had like a twisted fallopian tube and some cysts that they removed. Nobody told me that it would be hard for me to get pregnant, but because I had these twisted fallopian tubes and I am who I am, I decided to tell myself this story that it was going to be really hard for me to get pregnant and that we would have to um, plan for months. And, you know, you hear so many of these stories, so many of these stories. And I, that's also something I want to touch on is like, <laughs> I based my story on the external, on things that were not real. And it was my Western doctor who brought this up to me on a call when we were speaking about this. But basically for the last 16 years, I've told myself the story that it's going to be really hard for me to get pregnant. Um, I'm not connected to my womb. I'm too much in my masculine. My periods are irregular. I'm not a normal woman. You know, just so many stories, so many stories. And I wish I could just go back and shake this girl, but I was under the impression for whatever reason that it was going to take a really long time. So in January, um, we decided to not not try And at the same time, I decided to make an appointment with um, these fertility specialists. My family, I'm so lucky, I've married into a family where Clay and I are the only couple that is able to naturally conceive, so uh, biologically conceive um, together. And so there's just been a lot of open conversations in my family about pregnancy, fertility, options, things like this. So it's like very uh, common in my world. And obviously I have a lot of female friends and it's pretty hard for a lot of people um, to get pregnant. So I'm swirling, swirling with these stories. So I decided in January that I wanted to wait (laughs) after uh, not, not trying one time. I decided I'm not ready, but I just needed to know if I could get pregnant. I just needed to know. So I made an appointment with this amazing fertility clinic in San Francisco, and they basically just wanted to know the first date of my last period. And because I was so late, I'm always late, um, they wanted a negative pregnancy test. 
Um, so Clay was getting ready to go golfing and I just asked him if he could run out, grab the cheapest test and come back so that I could confirm my appointment for that week. Well, one thing led to another and that test was positive and so were the next five tests that I took. So needless to say, <laughs> I think Clay just went into this like catatonic state and I just like burst into tears. Um, I wasn't ready and I got really scared and couldn't believe it and so many emotions. I'm still thinking back to that day and it just feels so surreal even sitting here now like I have full body chills thinking about that day and everything changed. So very quickly I got on board. I mean, within that same day, I went from, I can't do this. I'm not ready to be a mom. We just got a puppy. We just moved. The business isn't ready. This is going to be so expensive. Like just total panic to sheer bliss and peace and full surrender. And Clay did the exact same thing. By the end of the day, he had sent me flowers because he ended up going golfing. And if you know our a little bit of our wedding story, um, we like to say fuck yes when we're all in. Um, our wedding rings say fuck yes. It's in our vows. And uh, he sent me flowers saying fuck yes that day. So we were all in. I was so excited. I'm like, now is the time. Um, this little soul is coming in and we just made some major, major shifts um, to make sure this little soul, this little bean of ours knew that this was a very, very, very much desired pregnancy. Um, it was cool because two of my best friends were in their final trimester while I was in my first. So it was just this really beautiful, peaceful time. Um, my body, however, started to just freak out from day one. I gained like in my first eight weeks of pregnancy, like 12 or 13 pounds, which is pretty crazy. I was craving chicken. I rarely eat meat as it is. And all I wanted to do was eat chicken. So right away, my body was like craving prana, craving energy. And um, now that I look back on it, it was kind of freaking out from the beginning. Like I was having normal pregnancy symptoms, but then just hormonally, my body was really really uh like functioning on overdrive or something it was totally wild and needless to say we started planning i got the books i got i was getting really nauseous so my friends were sending me care packages and and pregnancy journals and mom things and and just like that my whole life became about this little bean that was just like a little ball of cells the size of a poppy seed inside of me and like my whole world just began to change and I just like felt that pull that I'm a mom and it's not all about me anymore and it was just this really cool, 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 cool time um, and experience and emotional, I mean all of the things that come along with it. So all was well and I went to my first checkup um, this is sort of where things started to go downhill. And that is because I am in the middle of, or was in the middle of switching insurance. So we actually decided to switch insurance in January because we do want to have babies soon. And there's this incredible birthing center in Santa Cruz. So I needed to switch. So I was like basically in limbo um, and had said goodbye to my old doctor and was still looking for a new doctor, and here I am pregnant. 
So I just made an appointment um, at the nearest Kaiser and it's in San Jose. And I just didn't really think anything of it. I just wanted to get in and see the baby and learn what I'm supposed to do. So um, I was met with a male doctor who had no bedside manner. Um, and I had the worst experience I've ever had in the healthcare system with him. And I have yet to call to complain. I've just been still processing so much, but basically he told me in that very first appointment that I had a yolk sac and that I was measuring six weeks, but there was still no heartbeat and chances of it being a viable pregnancy were really unlikely and that I needed blood work and basically left the room. And as you know, it's COVID. So I was alone. I was alone through every doctor appointment. And this was the appointment where I was expecting to see a heartbeat and was met with just cold, sterile vibes. Um, I ended up needing a ton of blood work that day. I just had no idea what was going on. And no one told me what was going on. He didn't even tell me what I was getting blood work for. Um, and when I went back, like holding back tears from getting blood work to check in, I, I asked the nurse who I had to just stand there and sort of wait for them to stop laughing and talking to acknowledge me. And I said, do I get a picture today? And she was like, no, there's no baby. There's no heartbeat. It's like, okay. So that was my first experience. It was really hard. It was really sad and not at all what I expected. But then we got the blood work back a few days later and all of my HCG levels were going straight up um, exactly as they were supposed to and very, very high, very much pregnant. Um, and this is where the limbo began. So now I'm being told everything's fine and um, that I'm probably just off with my timing and I'm about a week earlier um, in which case that would make total sense why we couldn't see a heartbeat yet and I need to be seen in another week. So for me, this was sort of my biggest fear realized. Um, I, I hate waiting. Um, waiting is really hard for me. Uh, not knowing is really hard for me. If you have anxiety or have any types of control impulses, you understand the pain that comes with the unknown and that's what I was sitting in for about two weeks. And so in this time, I also got a second opinion from an Eastern doctor in L.A. who does acupuncture, nutrition response testing, and is also just a total shamanic, like clairvoyant um, angel. And I got the name of her through a really close friend of mine, and I'd been seeing her, and she told me right away that you are very much pregnant, and it's a healthy baby boy, but that my uterus was basically inflamed, and my body wasn't quite ready, and that there was supplements I could take and some acupuncture she could do to really make sure that I'm doing everything I can um, in these first crucial weeks of life. So I immediately got on, uh, got in the car with Clay and drove to LA to see her for four days of acupuncture and treatment in the meantime. So I had this experience with her. 
Um, before actually, I'm just realizing before I went down to visit her in between meeting her and her confirming vis- uh, virtually that I was in fact pregnant with a baby boy, um, I had another ultrasound and the ultrasound showed the fetus. It showed growth. So I was measuring a week later, but still no heartbeat. And so she was telling me that all was well and that I was just earlier along and that I needed to come down and see her. So I did. And when she told me that it was a boy, something in my heart just like gave a little, I can't explain it, but I've always felt my whole life that my first baby would be a girl. Um, not that I care um, at all. I just want healthy babies. But um, in my deep, deep seated intuition, in the like depths of me, I feel a girl. I know her. And um, when she told me it was a boy, that was when I kind of was like, hmm, that's interesting. But I've also had meditations that I was going to have a boy. So maybe this is him coming in and maybe things change. And so I was just having this experience of like, is this real? What do I need to learn? I was in total surrender by the time I got down to see her and also just feeling so unwell. So I saw her for four days. I had tons of acupuncture. I was taking like 40, 50 supplements per meal. Um, just all in on healing. I mean, everything, reading, um, doing the warm baths, but not the heat. I mean, everything they say to take care of your little bean in the first trimester. I just wanted this little soul to know how desired and how wanted he was. So we came up with names. Um, we were starting to refer to him. Um, obviously, we didn't take the test on the Western world, whether it was boy or girl, but, um, let's just say my Eastern doctor has never been wrong. And I believe her a hundred percent that it was a little boy and it was just a terrible, (laughs) dark week. I mean, I would see her and I would feel better and I would cry and we were staying. Clay, bless his heart, got us using all of our credit card points from not flying like a five-star stay in LA. And I was so far from being able to enjoy it. And I was just in a lot of physical pain at this point too. Um, The pregnancy was getting really, really hard on me and I could just feel something wasn't right. Like I just knew it and I didn't want to say it and I didn't want to feel it, but I knew And sure enough, um, we got back from LA and I woke up the next morning and was bleeding. And I was still in limbo uh, with my insurance and I had yet to see an OB with my new insurance plan yet at Sutter and my Kaiser insurance had run out. So when I called Sutter to tell them that I was bleeding, they told me to go to the ER because I didn't actually have an OB and I hadn't had established care and it was just the perfect storm. And again, I was alone because you can only have one person go in. So I was sitting in the ER 
this was a Thursday, um, knowing that I was miscarrying and basically sitting in the fetal position in the corner, having really bad cramps. If you're, if you've had cramps, if you're a woman, have a menstrual cycle, um, this was probably like 10 times worse than your normal cramps. So it was not, not pleasant, really hard to sit still, really terrible people in the ER. I mean, one woman was yelling, um, this other guy was just hacking up a lung, this other girl was, I mean, it was just like the twilight zone. I can't even, it was just like, so I'm laughing now because I just, it was so awful. And here I am like a privileged white woman, like with insurance and I'm having this experience. So needless to say, it was just fucking brutal and I finally talked to somebody and I said, listen, like, I need this blood test. I, I'm having a miscarriage. I need blah, 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 blah. I finally got in to see somebody. Now it's Thursday and I'm bleeding pretty bad. She did a test. I was, you know, not in a good way. She confirmed that I needed an ultrasound that would quote unquote call it um, <clears throat> whether or not I was in fact miscarrying. And that I needed to come back the next day um, to get the ultrasound. There was like no OB in the ER, which is the thing that actually tripped Clay up the most. That one in every two people that goes into the ER is female and there's no OB on staff. This is when he started to realize how terrible the health system is. He was already up in arms by the way I'd been treated. And I'm not really going to go into full detail about what the guy said to me, the doctor, just because that's not the part of the story that I choose to remember and that I choose to share, but it was awful. And then this ER appointment, just awful. So I was met during the most traumatic and emotional and physically uncomfortable time with just cold, cold, cold vibes. And I was alone. And so I had to go back the next day for the ultrasound, and it was a Friday now. And I went down, and the sweet, sweet girl couldn't have been much older than me, did the ultrasound. And this was the first, like, human <laughs> um, that really was kind to me during this whole process. And there I was lying on the ultrasound table, knowing that I was miscarrying, still bleeding so bad. And She's not supposed to tell you what's going on. They're supposed to go give it to an ultrasound tech. And I just looked at her and I said, can you just tell me what you see? And she was like, yeah. And she turned the screen to me and I could see the little fetus still there. He was. I could see him perfectly on the screen. And <clears throat> she let me know that it hadn't grown. And, and I said, well, what do you see? You see these every day. And she said, I see a little guy that tried really, really hard. And she let me sit in the room for five minutes and say goodbye. So I got to sit there by myself and stare at that little screen, that little nugget, that little bean, and just say, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you. You've changed my world. You've changed my life. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's all I could say. And I had tears in my eyes and <clears throat> that kindness that she she shared was just I can't say how how meaningful that was. And um, yeah, I'm going to send her 
flowers one of these days because I just adored her. But anyway, after that sweet little experience, I had to go back up to the ER and wait for my results where they told me it was going to be four hours. And at that point, they said, we'll know the results, but we can't actually prescribe you anything in the ER, aka the pill, which is actually the abortion pill. I'm just going to say it. That's what it is. That's what they give women that early on. Or a DNC, which is a surgery, but they were basically saying, we won't be able to do any of that today. And at this point, I had been going through these ups and downs of not knowing what was going on with this fetus and my body um, for two and a half weeks. And I was slowly starting to lose it. And this like young girl with pink hair, I used to have pink hair, so I'm not dissing pink hair, but she just was a vibe and was so cold. And I looked at her and I said, I am having a miscarriage and I need to talk to a doctor right now. And she basically was like, there's nothing we can do. So at this point, I went outside, I sat down on the curb in the ER parking lot and lost my mind. And I called the OB's office who had previously told me there's nothing we can do because you don't have established care with us and we need you to go to the ER and blah, blah, blah. And I just lost it. And I said, I need to be seen today. I'm taking off the the weekend. Meanwhile, I have a company. I'm taking off the weekend to miscarry. And I need to see a doctor today. I am bleeding in the parking lot. I need my ultrasound to be read and I need to get in. And I was just so upset. And she said, okay, let me see what we can do. She came back and said, there's a doctor on staff here. She's agreed to see you. Um, You can come in an hour. We're going to rush the results. Like finally, someone was going to tell me what was going on. So I drove to the parking lot. Clay met me there. He brought me a smoothie and we just sort of sat together very quietly because we knew what was coming. And I walked in, got into the waiting room, got into the doctor's office, sat down and just lied on the, um, lied down on the, the doctor's table waiting for her to come in and She came in and I looked at her and I burst into tears and I just said, thank God it's you. There was like a soul recognition. There was a knowing that this was going to be my, my doctor for the rest of my life. My OB who helps me deliver my babies. And she looked right at me and she rubbed my back and sat down and said, I don't need you to tell the story one more time. What do you want to do? And that was just the biggest exhale because at this point I had told the story to doctors, to nurses, to techs in the ER, to the ultrasound, like so many times I had to say, I went into this doctor and he told me this and then I did this and and it's been two and a half weeks and this is what I know, like over and over and over. And she just looked right at me like a human and said, what do you want to do? And I said, I need to miscarry this weekend. I've been bleeding for a few days. And she sat me down and said, the fetus has not grown. Um, You know, it's definitely not a viable pregnancy at this point. Here are your options. DNC, let it pass on its own or taking what is what they don't like to refer to as, but what for purposes is called the abortion pill. 
and I opted to take the pill without doing very much research. It just seemed like the least invasive, least traumatic way of going about things. And clearly this miscarriage was taking a while. My body was tripping out and it needed some help moving things along. The DNC is a surgery that felt invasive and unnecessary. So that's why I made that decision. And the way it worked is it's two pills. One I took in the office with her. She sat with me while I took it. This was able to sort of clear and make sure, you know, that everything was in fact dead, for lack of a better word. Um, No more life in it, in my uterus. And then 24 hours later is when you actually take the pill that causes the miscarriage to happen. So she sat right there with me in the office. We said a little prayer and I was on my way. I had taken the first pill. The next day... um, we totally <laughs> were unprepared. Oh my God. Um, that night though, before I talk about the actual day, um, was so powerful because it was like, we knew that it was over, but I hadn't taken the pill yet. So it was like our last night with this little bean and I was able to go in the hot tub again and smoke a joint and go in the sauna. For those of you who know me, basically my life is fueled by heat, hot water, THC, and caffeine. And I was basically not able to do any of those things. Like cold turkey had to stop. Um, So it was really nice. And we just had this like celebration and I wasn't in that much pain. And then the next morning we sort of woke up and we had a really nice day together and it was around three o'clock and I looked at Clay and I just said, I think I'm ready. And we went upstairs, we sat at the shrine and we said goodbye. We prayed, we lit an incense, we lit the candles, we rang the bell and I took the pill. What I was told was that around two hours later I would experience cramping, then some more severe cramping for four to six hours and then it would be over. Um, with some mild bleeding for the weeks remaining. That's all I was told, and that nausea could happen, so they prescribed Zofran and nausea medication. What proceeded to occur was like a dark night of the soul kind of experience. It was so powerful and so painful. So I started cramping right away. For the next two hours, I just got worse and worse with the cramping and I was still being able to, I was still texting. I was, there was two friends that really held me through it. Clay was with me and it was just getting really, really bad. So I just like went into the downstairs bathroom to just sort of like fetal position and be right near the toilet because I could sense that it was getting really, really bad. And this lasted for about an hour. I was sitting downstairs just either on the toilet or lying down next to the toilet and just sort of breathing through it. Clay would be knocking on the door asking if there was anything he could do. And I was just like fetal position, like, no, I just have to get through it. I just have to get through it. Like it was one of those things that my my feminine instinct just like clicked on and was like, we're going to handle this. Like my body, my amazing beautiful, capable body, just, it was like there was this agreement with my mind and she just said, I'm, this is going to be really painful, 
mentally, physically, and emotionally, but I've got you. So you just need to breathe, stay focused. I'm going to do the work. My body just like took over and it was just expel, you know, like get out, whatever. I, I don't know a better word, but it was like doing everything it can to get everything out of my system. So um, about two hours into this, I decided that I needed to be upstairs. And so I crawled at this point. It was so bad. I couldn't speak anymore. I couldn't text, but I crawled up the stairs into my bathroom. And as soon as I got into the bathroom, I started projectile vomiting and things were moving, things were happening. So I finally like after being killed over the toilet, both sides just projectiling, like exiting every, it was as if my body said, it was like, the, this is the best way I can describe it. It was like, like cramp, 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 like tightening, 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 tightening. And then all at once my body was just like, like expel, like every orifice, like just out every, out everywhere, just like get everything out. And that's what happened. And then I got in the shower and that's when the miscarriage actually took place. And this is what I was so unprepared for was the literal birth that I experienced alone in my bathroom, in my shower. It's more than blood. And I'm not going to get graphic, but let's just say it's not something that can be uh, washed down the drain. Um it is tissue. It is matter. It is placenta. It is, you know, a lot of stuff. And I just was not prepared emotionally or physically for that experience. The pain leading up to it, the excruciating, I mean, you should go through this in a hospital. There should be miscarrying facilities. You know, you've got these pregnancies where you've got an acupuncturist and you've got a breathing coach and a doula and a midwife and a doctor and a nurse. And there I am on the floor of my shower, completely alone in excruciating pain. And I just couldn't even yell to get Clay. Finally, I was able to get his attention to come in and he helped me like get out of the shower and clean everything up. And it was just awful and he wasn't prepared for it and I wasn't prepared for it and it was like as soon as it was out of my body I I the cramping started to go away and within three hours from that experience the most painful thing I've ever experienced and my appendix has burst I've broken my arm I mean that was a walk in the park compared to this kind of pain I'm on no painkillers I'm so unprepared for this experience and they just don't tell you a couple days later when the nurse called, I was like, that was brutal. And she was like, I know it's like so bad. I'm like, why don't we talk about this? Why aren't we talking about what women have to go through? And the horror stories that I have heard come out of the woodworks since my experience, it was like I've been initiated into this unspoken club. And now my aunt and my friends that I've known for my whole life and my realtor and everybody is coming out of the woodworks telling me, oh, I had this happen to me. Oh, I miscarried at 12 weeks. It was like a literal feed at like so much trauma that is not being spoken about. And 
trauma is a big word and I don't use it lightly. And that's what this was. It was very, very traumatizing, but also it was so beautiful. It was like nature at work in the most pure way. This portal was open and it's such a beautiful thing. I was actually miscarrying in the same few hours that my best friend was giving birth to a healthy baby boy. And the portal opened and that portal where life and death happens is so pure, is so, there's no words for it. And as painful and emotional and traumatic as this experience was, I'm looking back in complete awe of my body. Our body knows when something is and isn't right. Our intuition knows. And my body and intuition knew that this pregnancy wasn't right for me for so many reasons. And it took care of it and it took care of me. And I had, when I talked about my, my miscarriage for the first time on social media, somebody wrote like, I'm so mad at my body. I'm so mad at my body for betraying me. And that is the opposite experience that I have. I am so in awe and just over the moon, like what is life kind of experience from experiencing this physical experience. And I so honor everyone's experience, what they've gone through. And I've heard really easy miscarriage stories where they're just walking down the street and a little like dupes and that's it. I've heard horribly traumatic miscarriage stories. I've heard everything in between. And the idea of going through that again is what really scares me right now. Um, And we have decided to wait because it was such a big experience that we weren't prepared for. And I don't think that you can ever be prepared for something like that. But I wish I knew. Here's what I wish I knew. I wish I knew how painful and violent it was going to be. How um, messy it was going to be. And how many people actually experience something like this? Walking down the street now, I'm looking at women, realizing the statistics of how many of them have experienced a miscarriage, and I am just in awe of the feminine, like in a way that I have never experienced, in awe of the mother, watching my two best friends give birth to healthy baby boys two weeks after my miscarriage, one on the same day. I mean, the karmic dance is at play. The universal Leela is happening. We are so connected. We are so held. I have so much gratitude for this experience. I found my OB. I found my, my doctor that's going to, when I'm ready, take me through the experience of birth. I've been so much closer with God, with my feminine, with my husband, with my dogs. I mean, with the babies in my life, it is such godly magic what we are capable of. And and the biggest thing, I mean, I've learned so many things, but two of the things that have come from this experience, one is doctors don't know very much. Um, when it comes to the female body, there's just so much unknown because we're magic. 
And there's just not a lot of scientific proof that can back up the magic that is the female body. That's the first thing. Trust your gut. Trust your intuition. Trust your body above all else. The second thing is the projecting and the way that we interact as women. Um, seeing all these pregnant women on my news feeds. When I told people I was pregnant, the reactions um, from friends that have been trying to get pregnant or offhand comments about miscarriage and just so much projection and comparison. And it's how we relate as people. It's how we relate is we hear about an experience and then we relate to that experience through our own experience. So I totally get it. But the journey to motherhood is so sacred. It is so sacred and it is not, you can't compare it. You can't compare it. Whether you've had a miscarriage or you're mothering, that, I mean, I hear it gets even worse (laughs) Um, with moms judging and inserting their opinions and unsolicited advice and this and that. But as women, we are just magic. And if we could just really celebrate one another and each other's journeys without projecting our own, I think we could just have such a healthier relationship with our own bodies and with the women in our lives. I mean, this experience has been profound. I have come out the other side and I've made so many big decisions, which I will talk about in part two. But this story I wanted to tell, I wanted it to be raw. I wanted it to be real. I went back to work on the Monday following this. I went back to work and I was still bleeding. I hosted a webinar of 500 people and I was still bleeding. I was still bleeding when I launched my retreat. I was still bleeding when I hired. I was miscarrying and working and life just keeps going. And as sad as that is, it's also really beautiful because I needed that distraction. I needed time to process. I needed my business to carry me and my clients to hold me. And what I've done so wonderfully well these last few years is I've always been honest. And I've always been radically honest in business. And so I was able to email during that week and during the week that I was seeing my doctor in LA and just out of sorts, my clients and actually say what was going on. Hey, I'm seeing a doctor. I don't know whether or not my pregnancy is viable. I'm not okay. I got to push our call. And the love that poured in, like just being able to say that I've talked to so many women who have gone through this without even mentioning it at work. Like this is a life changing transformational, like go in one person, come out another person experience. And we're just not talking about it enough. One, because I think we don't want to scare women that are new in their pregnancies, but I wish I had known. I wish I had known how common it was. I wish I had known what to look for. I wish I had known when to quote unquote, call it sooner. I put myself through hell because I shut out so much of the pregnancy journey because I was so afraid and and that's not a way to live. So all of this just to say I am in such a space of gratitude, of awe. I am so held. I know my baby girl is coming. I know my baby boy made space for her and One of the most beautiful things that somebody said to me on this journey is that these little souls have this agreement ahead of time and 
There's so many souls coming into the world right now on these big, 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 big missions and these other little souls come in and their only job is to make space and is to get the womb and get the physical body ready for the next soul to come in. And I just, with all my heart, believe that this little soul taught me so much. I have a necklace that I bought myself in honor of this little bean and I'm never going to take it off and I'm always going to remember what he did for me, for my body, for my family, for my business, for my spirit. I'm so grateful and yet I'm angry. I'm angry at the healthcare system. I'm angry at the way women are still treated. I'm angry at the way women treat each other. I'm angry at the way miscarriages talked about. And what I've had to realize is that I just don't know if there is a right way. I don't know if there's a right way, but I'm going to do my best to share my story and hold women in this light that I just wasn't seeing before. It's like I've been initiated into a club. I'm honored to be into this club. I am well on my journey to motherhood. It's begun. The pull is strong. And although I do want to wait, um, yes, I do want to wait a while. Um, it was a lot on my body and spirit. I am just in total awe of what has unfolded since this experience, which I cannot wait to share with you all in part two of this episode. So thank you for listening to my story. I have not said it out loud beginning to end. I had no idea what was going to come out. I took a really long walk this morning meditating on what I wanted to share and why I wanted to share it. And I just want to reiterate again, because I think these stories need to be told Because I think what women go through is miraculous. We are truly miraculous. And I don't want anyone to feel as alone and as unprepared as I did on the bathroom floor and in all of those doctor's offices. It was so lonely. And at the same time, though, I do want to say the independence in this journey was really profound for me. I've always been a very codependent person and going through this alone from doctor's appointment to doctor's appointment to the physical pain. Yes, Clay was there with me as much as he could be. Oh my God, he's so supportive, but I was in it alone and it was me and the baby. It was me and this little ball of cells talking to each other. And and it was pretty cool to know that I can come out this, the other side, and what I am capable of going through and making it through, I feel a little invincible. I feel a little bit like superwoman now. So that's pretty cool. And I think that newfound confidence and love has gone a long way um, and really affected a lot of these decisions that I've made. And I can't wait to share with you about these decisions next week. So that's it for part one today. Please share with me how you feel, um, any experiences that you have had. I want to hear I'm in a good place, and I just want to reiterate that. I feel very held. I feel very nurtured. I feel very blessed. So 
Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. And until next time, keep growing.